Um, how are we today? This is VBS week. Come on, man. How are we today? Yeah, that's right. We've got to have some energy this week. This is a big week here for us, isn't it? Uh, the big announcement is what? Well, everything that we got going on this week is canceled in lieu of VBS. And what time does VBS start each, each night? Five. Dinner from five to six, so come anytime between five and six. But VBS actually starts like the... All the fun and everything like that starts at 6 o'clock, goes till 8.30. Uh, we're real excited about that. So if you have, you know, if you haven't registered, you want to go ahead and uh, you can register. I believe there's, um, where, where's our flyers? They're in the, in the foyer out there. We have some flyers with a QR code. You can register that way. Or you can just show up. Either one works, right? Uh, some people are probably just going to show up, and that's okay for us as well. Um, the big important thing is that you just come. Right, and your kids come. More importantly, we want to see um, your entire family here. So there's no Bible studies this week, no small groups this week. Um, we're all about VBS. It's all hands on deck. Um, if you can't come because maybe you're you're working, one thing that you can do, and I'm asking everybody in our church to do, is be praying. Pray, pray for a movement of the Spirit in the lives of these kids that are coming. Pray for uh, a, a movement of the Spirit in the people who are volunteering. Pray for a movement of the Spirit in the homes that are represented by these kids coming, right? We want our community to come to know the Lord, right? And this is one of the primary reasons we're doing VBS is because we know that we can have an impact um, in our community in this way. So um, be praying, you know, maybe fast this week at different times, um, and we just want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to glorify the Lord and to uh, really see what God is going to do. God is going to do some big things. Uh, for everybody who's helped um, with decorations and um, who's helping to volunteer, let me just go ahead and say thank you very much uh, for those of you who are doing that because that's a tremendous blessing. Before we begin, before we open the Word of God, anytime before you touch the Word of God, what do you always want to do? You want to pray. You want to talk to the Lord. You want to say, Lord, have your way with my heart. Lord, change what needs to be changed in me. Help me to grow. And so I'm going to ask Jim. Jim doesn't know, but I'm going to ask him. He, he has a nice, loud voice. I'm going to ask Jim if he would just stand right where he is and just pray uh, for the message if he would. Would you do that, Jim? Thank you, sir. Amen. Okay, well, we are in week two of a short series that we have entitled The Promises of God. Last week, we looked at how we have no reason to fear. Why? Because God is not only with us in our circumstances, but God goes before us and he prepares our way as we go through life. So we had this promise last week that we looked at that God will never leave us and never forsake us. That's a beautiful promise, amen? Well, part, partly what we sang about here this morning. Today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and go there with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This morning we're going to see how through God we can turn our temptations into triumphs. I believe it was C.S. Lewis who once said, No man knows how bad he is until he's tried to be good. Right? I think it was uh, playwright Oscar Wilde once jokingly said, I can resist everything except for temptation." And we kind of laugh about that, but that statement is, is, is true to a degree, right? right? It kind of nails our human condition on the head. Temptation is real, and temptation comes to each and every one of us day in and day out. 
And temptation doesn't look the same for any of us, right? What I might be tempted with, you may not be tempted by. But one thing is the same for all of us. It's the same promise that God has given us. And the same promise is that there is going to be a way to escape the temptation for all of us. Okay? Just as much for us today as it was for the Corinthian church 2,000 years ago. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, Paul says this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is what? Now let's try it again. And God is what? One more time. God is? He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And so what is the promise of God here? The promise is you don't have to give in to temptation. Why? You don't have to give in to temptation to sin because God will always give you a way out of that temptation. The Greek word there for temptation uh, has this idea of putting something to the test, meaning it has the idea of putting pressure on something to really see what's on the inside of it. Think of it like this. If, if you had a tube of toothpaste, right, and you squeezed a full uh, tube of toothpaste as, as hard as you can, you squeezed it, what would come out? Toothpaste, right? Whatever you, you put that pressure on it, what's going to happen is that what's inside is going to come out. And that's the same way with life, isn't it? Right? When life hits you, whatever pressure gets put on you, what's really inside is what's going to be exposed. What's on the inside is what's going to come out when the pressure of life comes on you. Temptation, though, is, is something that all of, you know, people, heroes of the Bibles, um, where they gave in to temptation. Right? Abraham lied about his wife. Sarah lied to God, Lot compromised in Sodom, Jacob cheated his brother, Moses struck the rock in anger, Elijah complained against God, David committed adultery, uh, Jonah ran away from God, Peter denied Jesus. And so when you think that you're the only one who's ever struggled with giving into temptation, right, you can look at all the heroes of the Bible except for the one true hero of the Bible, which is Jesus. All those other heroes gave into temptation. And so you're not the only one who struggles with this. You're not the only one who has had to deal with this. Now, temptation, well, I want to be clear about something. God does not tempt people. We understand that. Scripture tells us that God does not tempt people. But God does allow us to be tempted. Now, why does God allow us to be tempted? That's a good question. If, if God doesn't want us to sin, then why does he allow us to be tempted? Sometimes God allows you be, to be tempted because it's a test. It's a test of your faith. And it has the ability, if you defeat temptation biblically, to strengthen your walk with Christ and to help you to grow in grace. You actually grow more in the likeness of Christ when you de defeat temptation biblically. In fact, James said this in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Now, the flip side of that coin is true as well. The enemy is also looking at temptation. So God is looking at temptation as a way to, hey, your faith can grow in me if you defeat this biblically. But the enemy is also looking at temptation as an opportunity too, isn't he? And he's looking at it not as an opportunity for you to grow in your faith in Christ and for you to grow in the likeness of Christ. He's looking at it as a way to separate you from Christ. He's looking at it as a way that you will sin. Sin separates you from God. If you want to see this biblically, you can go and study the story of Job, and you'll see the two sides of the temptation coin here. Now, Jesus is our great example that is possible with the indwelling and the empowering the Holy Spirit 
to overcome temptation. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 tells us that Jesus was tempted in every way just like you are, but that he was without what? Sin. Jesus did not sin. Jesus was able to endure temptation when he was in uh, the desert for 40 days, fasting. He was tempted by Satan. He was also able to endure temptation, right, to, to, to doubt, to fear, to not go through with God's plan when he was in the garden the night before his execution. And Jesus was able to do this for two simple yet very profound reasons. One is Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Two, Jesus was also filled with the Word of God. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the word temptation. You know, there was a story one time of, of a man who had taken a new job. And it was at a very important company. And so he was very excited about it. And he had only been on the job for just a little bit. And so he was the last one in the office one night. And he noticed when he came back to his desk, there was a stack of cash on his desk. And so he thought about it. He looked around and no, there's nobody to ask, is this yours? Is this yours? And so he immediately took the money and he put it in his briefcase and he took it home. And the next morning when he got to work, he immediately went into the boss's office, you know, after he had wrapped it, put it in an envelope. And he said, hey, somebody left this cash, you know, on my desk last night. I don't know whose it was. I don't know who's missing this money. It's a lot of money, but I'm going to turn this money in. It's not mine. It's, you know, you're the one who's got to find out whose money this is. And the boss looked at the man and he said, it's my money. I put it there on purpose. It was a test. You passed. You passed. Now listen, life sometimes offers us the same kind of test, doesn't it? Life offers us this kind of test, right? Listen, if that man had gone home and if he had opened his briefcase and started just looking at the money, counting it, giving it a smell, mm, all of a sudden he starts thinking, well, you know, maybe whoever put it there didn't really need it. That's why they did this so much. And he could have come up with a bunch of different ways to explain, you know, what he did with the money or where that money went or why he needed that money to convince himself of that money. All of a sudden, if he started opening that briefcase, what would happen? Temptation comes. Here comes temptation saying, you know what the wrong thing to do here is, but let's try and justify it and make it right. Right? And, and that's what, what happens. John MacArthur says it this way. He says, once the external becomes the solicitation of the heart, it's turned into a temptation. Meaning what? Temptation is this inward solicitation, right, of your heart to an external test, to something external, to doing something external. And so before we move further, I want, you to, I want us to understand this, is that God is not tempting us to get us to sin. That's what the enemy does. Again, the enemy is tempting you to get you to sin. God allows you to be tempted to strengthen your faith. And sometimes the same situation does the same exact thing. It does the same thing. Again, you look at Job. In Job's situation, Satan wanted Job to, to fail and to fall, and God didn't want Job to fail. What did he want him to do? He wanted to, him to be successful, and he wanted to prove Satan wrong. And sometimes God allows us to fall in temptation because sometimes we try to fight temptation in our own strength, in our own power, in our own way. And so God allows you to follow that temptation. Why? Because he wants to break your pride. Our greatest danger is to think that we've arrived at a place where we can defeat any temptation in our own strength. Or, you ever heard people say, oh, I'll never be tempted by that. That doesn't appeal to me. Listen, whenever you sit there and you say, oh, I, I, I don't have to worry about temptation, I'm good. What you're doing is, is you're setting yourself up for a really big fall. A really big fall. In fact, 
when you say, I'm not tempted by something, you're tempting the enemy to tempt you even more. Right? That's what, because the enemy loves nothing more than when someone is full of pride and they fall. He loves it. And so why doesn't God just kill the devil and remove the attraction for sin? You ever wonder that? I think that's a good question. Well, if that were to happen, then you and I would lose the ability to be overcomers in Jesus. See, without opposition, there's no victory. And how are you supposed to be victor, victorious without some opposition? Right? A victory, you and I, we will not be able to enjoy it if we don't overcome evil and we don't face it. Now, I also want to be very clear here. Temptation isn't sin. Just because you're tempted to sin doesn't mean that you have sinned or that you need to repent. Just because uh, you have been tempted by something doesn't mean that God is angry at you, that God hates you, or that God is disappointed in you just because you've been tempted by something. No, not at all. I want you to listen to what the great Oswald Chambers once said about this. He said, temptation is not sin. Temptation must always be possible for our sonship to be of worth to God. It would be no credit for God to bring McKimmage of God. J.C. Ryle once said, trials are intended to make us think, to wean us from the things of this world, to send us to our Bibles, and to drive us to our knees. You know, when jewelers want to test the genuineness of a diamond, one of the easiest ways they can do that is they take a diamond and they place it in clear water. And what happens is when they place that diamond in clear water, a real diamond is going to sparkle. There's going to be some radiance even through the water. But the opposite is true of a fake diamond. When they put the fake diamond in the water, oftentimes there's no sparkle, if any sparkle, at all. And they can tell the difference between the two pretty easily. You could do this. You could go home, you know, ladies, if you want to see if your ring, you know, is real or not, right? You can go home and do that. I don't recommend that. Don't do that. You don't know. Uh, it's better just, just be happy with whatever you got. But listen, just like diamonds right, can, 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 can separate, right, because of their radiance. You can know this is a real diamond, this is a, a fake. Listen, people are oftentimes, we're the same exact way. When we go through hard times, when we go through difficult times, a lot of people have great faith, right, until their faith is tested. And they sit there, when things are going good, their faith is great. All of a sudden, what happens is they go through a, t- a tough time, and then we see, does that person really have real faith? That person really have real faith? Is your faith saving faith or is it not saving faith? Paul says these words, he says, has overtaken you. And the word for overtaken means to take a hold of something or to grasp a hold of something. Um, in the secular uses of that word, um, it uses this word with violence. To take a hold of something, to grab a hold of something with violence. And so meaning what? If you aren't careful and you flirt with temptation, what can happen? Temptation can take a hold of you, and it's never pretty when someone gives in to temptation. It's always ugly, isn't it? It's always ugly. Paul says, then, common to mankind. Now, you and I, we don't use this as an excuse when we sin, right? You cheat on your taxes, and you go, well, I only cheat on my taxes because I'm human, right? It's co- that's common to mankind. I'm human, and so I'm gonna, I-, I can get away with it because I'm human. No, none of us have an excuse to say this is why I sin or an easy way out card. We don't have that, right? None of us have that. And so God has promised, listen, God has promised you that temptation is coming your way. But God has also promised you that there is always a way out of temptation. Paul is positive that temptation is going to come your way. That's part of life. In fact, the Greek word that we translate temptation means a lot more than just a test. It's something that was designed not to make you fall, but to test you so that we come out of it even stronger in our relationship with Christ than when we were before it even came our way. 
See, any temptation that comes to you is not unique to you. Other people have gone through the same temptations that you have, and they've come through it. Young person, teenager, hear me on this. You may feel like my parents can't relate to me, but let me just tell you something. There have been other teenagers that have gone through the same temptations that you have, and they have gone through it, and they are stronger in their faith in Christ because of it. It is not unique to you, whatever you are going to. Men, looking at women, these kind of things. These things are not just unique to us. Other believers have come before us. Other believers have been tempted in the same way. And other believers have come through it and have overcome in the name of Jesus. Other people have done this. See, temptation changes shape sometimes. But temptation is always there. Temptation is always going to be there. A man once told how he was driving Lightfoot, who was the great bishop of Durham, in a horse carriage on a very narrow road, a mountain road, in Norway. And it got so narrow that there were only inches between the edge of the cliff and the mountainside. And so the man, knowing that he was, had some very precious cargo, this bishop in his, in his carriage, he said, you know what? He turned around, he stopped, and he said, it's probably better that you get out and you walk. He got nervous. He got scared. The bishop kind of got out, looked around, and he saw that there were grooves from other carriages for, so can we. Keep going. And so they kept going. They moved forward. They went through it. And friends, listen, when we're going through hard times, when we're going through temptations, when we're going through suffering, when we're, listen, we're always going through what other people have already gone through too. Oftentimes it feels like you're the only one who's ever experienced what you're experiencing. But what God's word is telling us is you're not the only one who's ever experienced what you're experiencing. Other people have gone through the same thing and they've endured it and they've conquered it. And so nothing is going to be unique to just you. Others have gone through it too. You know, we oftentimes want to sit there and say, you know, it's just unique to me. But, but again, God is reminding us that our temptation is not unique to us. Other people have found the strength in the Lord. Other people have, have overcome the same, same, same temptation and worse. Friend, listen, you can be victorious in the name of Jesus. Amen? Sin, sin, listen, temptation doesn't get to win. Right? When you're in the Lord, you can be victorious every single time. Every single time. Paul says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And that's the secret of the success right here. This is how temptations can turn into triumphs right here. God is faithful. And that right there is the only source of security that we have in this world. And that's enough. Is that God has made this promise that he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Listen, if you only look to yourself, you'll fall. If you only look to yourself. And friends, it's not that God is going to keep you secure without any effort on your own part. Right? You've got to do your part, and God is going to do his part. When you're faithful to the Lord, when you resolve in your mind, that means you make up your mind that I'm going to stay faithful only to God in this moment, in this decision. God is always going to be faithful to you. God is always going to do his part. When you do your part, you can always count on the faithfulness of God. There was a, a, a boy, a young boy, one time whose dad left him on a downtown corner, and he said, I'll be back here in 15 minutes. Don't move from this spot. And so the dad drove away, and he had to go run an errand, and he was going to come back, but his car broke down. He was miles away. He couldn't get to a phone, and so he was freaking out. Finally, after five hours, he finally got his car fixed, and he drove back to where he had dropped off his son. And he saw his son looking in the store window, just kind of rocking back and forth, like he didn't have a concern in the world. So the dad parked his car, immediately ran up to his son, and he said, you know, are, were, were you scared? Were you worried? I'm so sorry. And he hugged him, and he kissed him. 
And he loved on him. And the little boy said, I, I wasn't worried, Dad. You said you were coming back. You said you were coming back. Listen, in, in, in short, no trial, no temptation is stronger than the resources that you have in your heavenly Father. You have enough resources to defeat any temptation in Jesus. You don't lack anything. God is not sending you out there with, 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 with lack or with, with, uh, because they willingly sin. I want you to notice something. God is not promising you to, to deliver you from, from temptation as if temptation is never going to come your way. But God does promise to limit the intensity of temptation so that it won't overwhelm your ability to be able to handle it. Does that make sense? He's not going to allow a temptation to come your way that you can't beat in him. He will never allow that. But he also promises to provide a way of escape so that we, can, uh, and we won't be overcome by it. We won't be overwhelmed by it. Listen, God is all-knowing, God is all-wise, God is all-loving, he is faithful, and God is always going to match your weakness to his strength. However much of his strength you need in that moment is how much strength you're going to have access to. Every single time, whenever temptation comes your way, God is going to be faithful to you. God does not want you to be overcome by temptation, and he's going to make sure that you won't be overcome by temptation if you'll resolve to trust him, if you'll rest in him. Listen, in spite of how, how complex a situation might seem, sometimes we might be in a situation, we might go, this temptation, I can't see that there's a way out of this. Despite how complex a situation might seem, it's never going to be so complex that God won't give you the wisdom to see how to get out of it. So how you won't sin. You're always going to be able to know exactly how to not sin. First John chapter 2, verse 3 through 6, we know that we have come to know liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And friend, if you're walking in the light, if you're walking in the spirit, you're walking like Jesus wanted you to walk, when you're confronted with temptation, even one that is overwhelmingly strong, you're still going to, you're still going to be successful against that temptation. Right, you can come through that as more than a conqueror in Christ. You know, that door is always going to be open to you. In other words, the temptation, if temptation comes your way, there's always a way out of that temptation every single time. Does that make sense? It's a package deal. So you know whenever there's a temptation coming your way, God's already said, I'm already here too. I'm providing the way out. Here it is. The temptation is right here, but here's the way out of this. And so our problem is either we're not walking in the spirit and we fail to see the way out, or we see the way out, and we give into it anyway. Right? Has anybody ever been there before? You saw the way out of temptation, but you sat there and you said, now nah, I'm going to do this. I, I, I'm going to enjoy this sin. I'm going to give into this. You know the way out. You saw the way out. You knew all I had to do was just say no, or not do that, or leave, and you still gave into it. You still did it anyway. Listen, that's oftentimes when you know, listen, that's how you know the promise of God. In his faithfulness, he's always going to provide that way out. You know, there's a deceptive nature to temptation, if we're being honest, because temptation kind of works like rocks in, in the bay, right? During low tide, every, every uh, person who's steering a ship can see what? The rocks, because it's low tide. The rocks are not covered up. They're exposed. Easy to avoid those rocks, but what the enemy likes to do, what Satan likes to do, is he likes to raise the water level. He likes to cover over the rocks so that you don't see them so well. And then what happens? You crash and you sink. And that's what he loves to do. 
See, God has promised to not only limit our temptation, but he's also promised to provide a way of escape for our temptation. And God, though, because he's loving, because God doesn't want mechanical slaves like we talked about earlier, God is not going to force you to use the way of escape. But what you can always count on is he will always provide the way of escape for you every single time. You know, there's no situation that, dark, that is so dark that God can't provide light for you to escape. And sometimes you feel like you're in the darkness. You've walked, you know, away from God for so long. You've been walking in darkness for so long. You're like, there's just no way. But let me just tell you, a little bit of light, it brightens up a lot of things, doesn't it? A little bit of light goes a long way. And so, friend, the greater the temptation, the greater the faithfulness of God will be in your life. Now, that verse is, is encouraging. It's an encouraging verse to us, Right? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, of escape is always going to be there. If you don't take the way of escape, it may not still be there in that moment. Does that make sense? If you don't take it that first time, it may not be there right, right after that. Maybe you heard about the little boy who was laying under an apple tree. And the farmer came up to the little boy and he caught him and he said, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to steal one of my apples? And the little boy was looking up at the apples. He said, no, I'm trying not to steal one of your apples. Try not to steal one of them. And friends, that's the same way it is with some of us. Some of us flirt with temptation. Instead of getting away from the apple tree like the little boy should have, right? Because then the temptation is gone. That's the way of escape. Just get away from the apple tree. You don't have the temptation to steal the apple anymore. But see, some of us, what we do is we sit there and we go, well, I'll just look at the temptation. I'll just leave it around for a little bit. And God is sitting there telling you today what? Get away from it. Walk away from it. Put boundaries around yourself so that you don't have to give in to that. Listen, we can't flirt with temptation and get away from temptation. It won't work like that. When we repeatedly give in to temptation, there's something that deadly that begins to happen in your life. How many of you have ever heard of a seared conscience before? That's what the Bible talks about. The Bible talks about your conscience being seared. The more you give in to sin, the easier it is the next time to give in to sin. Like the more I give into temptation, I'm talking about, right? If you've ever been on a diet and you cheated on your, your diet, you had a cheat meal, and then you're sitting there going, I already cheated once. What's another Oreo? You know, what's another bowl of ice cream at this point? I already cheated once. And you just give into it again because you already gave into it once. You may as well just give into it again. And it's the same way with all temptation. I already gave into it once. God's already upset with me. He's already disappointed with me. I've already screwed up. I may as well just do it again. And that's not what God wants for us. God loves us. It's not what he wants for us. Again, God's always going to provide that way out. But that seared conscience, what it does is it makes it so that when God does provide that way of escape, sometimes you're so blinded spiritually you can't see it. Because your conscience is seared. Your, your spiritual eyesight is blinded. I remember one time when my boys were little, um, they used to love to help me carry things. They used to. Love to help me carry things, okay? And so I, I can remember one time, uh, Jarrett, we were at our old house, and we would have to, uh, you know, walk up these steps to get into the, the old house, right? And so one day Jarrett was little. He's probably like three years old, and he was like, Daddy, can I help you carry? We had gone to the grocery store, and can I help you carry the groceries? And I was like, yes, because if you carry this one thing, I don't have to make a second trip. How many of you like to get all the groceries in one trip? You walk like this because you're getting them all in there? Yeah. Okay. Well, so Jarrett says he wants to help me, and I think I gave him like a gap way through. And he said, Daddy, I, I, can't, I can't carry this anymore. And so what I did is I, I, I took it from him, and, you know, we got inside and we made it. But what I didn't do is I didn't yell at him and say, no, you started this, you need to finish it. 
You took this on you, and now you need to do that. No, what did I do? I reached out my hand, and I helped them. And listen, we have a perfect, loving Father in heaven. When you need help, you know what he does? He says, I'll be there to help you. Oh, you need help to get out of that temptation? Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to show up and give you a way out. This is who our Father is, amen? Like, this is the loving God that we see in Scripture is that he sits there and he says, I'm not going to leave you to your own strength. I'm going to provide a way out for you every single time. Every single time you have a way out. Listen, our Heavenly Father, he understands our limits. He, he knows your limits. You may not know your limits, but he knows your limits. And he's going to come alongside us to help. And so it's hard sometimes to, to stick it out when it looks like everything is crashing around us. When it looks like we've dropped the ball, when it looks like we've really screwed up and there's no end in sight, it's kind of hard sometimes to, to, to keep, keep going. But it's in times like that where we feel like we can't keep going, we've got to keep going. Where we've got to trust that God is who he says he is, that God is going to be faithful to us, and he's not going to be, let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. And so in order to withstand temptation, we've got to, and you're always going to fall into temptation when you don't run away from it. Right? You, you, have to, you have to remember that God doesn't want you sitting there laying under the apple tree. He wants you running away from temptation. Right? He wants you getting away from it, don't, you know, building boundaries, not sitting there flirting around with it. In 1346, during the Hundred Years' War, the English army of King Edward III met a French battalion at Crecy, France. And the king's son, Prince Edward, he led a, a vital division of King Edward's uh, forces. And so he immediately, one time, he thought he was being surrounded, and so he sent for his father to help him, to send reinforcements. And he thought this was, you know, he, it was a dangerous situation. He thought he was going to lose, but the king didn't come and the king didn't send anybody. And so young Edward sent another message to his dad. Please help. You know, we're in danger. We're being surrounded. We need your help. We need immediate assistance. And his father responded by telling the messenger, he said, go tell my son that I'm not so inexperienced as a commander as to not know when help is needed. And I'm not so careless as a father as to not send it. And what does that tell us? That tells us a great picture of the relationship between every believer and, and temptation as we battle temptation. Right? Oftentimes we cry out for help and it seems like God is silent or God doesn't send any relief. But let me just tell you something. God never takes his eye off of you. God is always, he knows exactly where you are in every single moment. He knows exactly what you need in every single moment. And you're always going to have access to everything you need to defeat temptation in your life. Every single time. You will lack nothing. Right? In 1 Corinthians 1, 9, the apostle Paul said, again, God is faithful. No matter how hot the conflict might be, no matter how hard it might be, no matter how hectic it might be, God is always ready to intervene at, at any moment. He's always ready to intervene. I'm going to start to wrap this up this morning. I want to give you a few key takeaways to make sure that your temptations tr turn into triumphs. Right? One big thing that we have to remember is God is what? He's faithful. God is faithful. And God is going to do his part to not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He's always going to provide a way of escape. That's the promise. But we also have to do our part too. So let me just briefly talk about what our part is. Number one, if you wanted to defeat temptation, if you want to turn that temptation into a triumph, number one is this. You put on the full armor of God. Every day you put on the full armor of God. Let's read it. Ephesians chapter 6. It says, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil. You may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Listen very carefully here. Soldiers never go into battlefield without their armor. Right? When do you ever see a, a soldier going into battlefield without their armor? In every movie, what are they doing before they go out to go battle? They're putting on their armor. They're getting their weapons. They're getting everything they need to go into battle. Why? Because you would be a fool to trying to go into battle against people who have all those things, who have, in it, who have weapons, without your armor. And so hear me on this, friends. I want you to see there was a, a key word here. He said the devil schemes. You and I, we are foolish when we think that we can just wake up in the morning and we, we can be successful against temptation that day without putting on the full armor of God ourselves. Now, why are we a fool in that? Here's why. Because what you fail to realize oftentimes is that the enemy studies you right now. You know that, right? Your enemy knows your weakness. He knows where you're weak. Now, you may sit there and you may not even recognize something as a weakness, but the enemy is studying you day in and day out. of God today? I got it. Easy. Easy shot today. Easy, I'm going to get her to trip today. Easy, I'm going to get him to trip today. We're fools when we think that we don't have to put on the full armor of God, right, to be successful against temptation. So number one, if you want to be successful against temptation, you want to turn your temptation into a triumph, number one is what? Put on the armor of God. Number two, worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. As a pastor, I can't tell you how many times I have come into, even on a Sunday morning, I have come in here deflated, dejected, overwhelmed, and maybe it's because I was tired or because I had a burden or because whatever the case may be, you know, I was walking with somebody who was going through something, whatever the case may be, and I come in here and I stand over there and, and, and I'm just, ugh, just feel overwhelmed. I don't feel good in the moment. I don't feel spiritually really, you know, connected to the Lord. You ever felt like that? Yeah, some of you have felt like that before. But then all of a sudden, Cedric and the worship team will start singing. All of a sudden... Right? These, these truths of who God is are flashing right in front of my face. I'm reading them. We're singing them together. And in that moment, what happens? Doubts are starting to be kicked to the curb. In that moment, these things that are trying to block my, my attention from the Lord are being stomped out. See, why is this? Because what worship does is worship puts your mind's focus where it belongs. It's on Jesus. Your mind is to always be thinking... And that's what worship helps to do, right? Worship helps your mind to stay focused where it should be at all times, and that is on Christ. And so we got to worship a lot more, amen? Man, we got to worship in the morning, worship in the evening, worship in the car, worship in the shower, right? Worship everywhere, worship at work, right? And worship is not just singing, but it's, it's anything that you're ascribing worth to God in, right? And that could be just reading scripture. It can be any of these things, right? There's worship in that. So we got to worship. Number three, if we want to turn our temptations into triumphs, number three, so we got to store the word of God in our hearts. Store the word of God in our hearts. I love Psalm 119, verse 11. What? I have stored your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Amen? The word of God not only tells us how to live, but it also gives you the power to make the right decisions. And as God's word enters your mind, you know what God's word does as it enters your mind? 
it changes your mind. As God's word enters your heart, it changes your heart. As God's word enters your soul, it changes your soul. God's word is powerful. Amen? Like God's word is incredibly powerful. And what God's word can do is God's word is so powerful that it can change a situation that looks ripe, that you're going to give into temptation, it looks ripe for sin. It can change that situation to be ripe for victory in Jesus. It can change it just like that. That's what God's word can do. Amen? We have to remember that our God is stronger than our enemy. Our God is stronger than our enemy. He's stronger than sin. He's stronger than temptation. Right? Listen, that battle was fought 2,000 years ago. That battle's over. You guys understand that, right? That battle has been fought. It's over, and it's over when Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin in your place. And then he rose from the grave three days later. Right? Jesus is the undefeated champion. Satan, he's the ultimate loser. He's a loser. And listen, you need to remember something, brothers and sisters. Jesus is all you need. There has been times in my life, in my walk with Christ, where the only word that I can remember when a temptation has come, and it feels like I'm about to give in to this thing, this thing is really coming after me, whatever it might be to doubt or to give in to something, whatever it might be, and I can only remember one word. If you can only remember one word, one thing, remember this. It's the most powerful word in the English language, in any language, it's the most powerful name in the history of the universe, and it's the name Jesus. Demons flee at the name of Jesus. They run away at the name of Jesus. And so our, if you're under attack from the enemy, here's my encouragement to you this morning. Some of you are under attack. My encouragement to you is don't give up. Do not quit. You, ever, you feel like quitting today? Don't quit. Don't give up. You needed to hear that today. You're having a hard time, you know, standing strong against, you know, temptation? You don't give up. Maybe you're discouraged about your kids or something, you know, that's happening in your kid's life. Don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on that. Maybe you're, you're facing a barrage of criticism because you're the only one standing for the things of God. Don't give up. You don't quit. Maybe some of you are tired. You've been struggling. and You're sitting here going, I'm just, I'm just exhausted. I can't go anymore. And what God says is, I will match Every ounce of your weakness with my strength, you can't keep going. Don't give up. Do not give up. What Jesus is not looking for this morning is he's not looking for quitters today. No quitters. Right? Jesus is willing to help anybody who's not willing to give up. There might be a lot of things that you're willing to do, but giving up can't be one of them. You can't give up. And so you stand up, you fight, you don't quit, and you look to Jesus. Why do we look to Jesus? I'll end with this. We look to Jesus because Scripture tells us that he is the author and he is the perfecter of our faith. You want to grow in faith? Look to the one who gave you faith. Look to the one who is growing you in faith. You look to Jesus. Amen? So what's the promise? When you face temptation this week, what's the promise? There's always a way out of it because God is faithful. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this. Lord, we thank you that we know these promises are true because of who you are, that you are holy. And because, God, you are holy, we can take everything that you say is true, and we know that this promise is true. God, we cling to this promise right now, this promise that we know temptation. For, for many of us, we're not even going to leave this room before temptation gets after us. But, God, you're always going to provide that way of escape. Help us to know because you are faithful, you will always do your part. And God, you are calling us to not quit, to not give in, 
to do our part. That, God, we need to resolve. That means we need to make up our mind. We need to choose once and for all. I'm not giving into this. I'm not going back down this road. I'm going to stay faithful to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is always faithful to me. Lord, help us with this. We can't do this in our own strength. Lord, we saw that even in Jesus' life, he was empowered and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we know as your children, we also are filled with the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we pray that it would be the Holy Spirit that we submit to, the Holy Spirit that we seek to empower us and to lead us and to guide us. Lord, we pray against temptation. We pray against the enemy. We pray against his works. We pray against his effects. Lord, we know that the enemy wants nothing more than for your children to fall. But, Lord, you want nothing more than for your children to defeat temptation biblically. The people of New Beginnings would be marked by obedience to your word. That we are not just obedient, are obedient in our own strength, but Lord, we seek to be obedient to be obedient to you through your through your Holy Spirit, Lord, and with the wisdom that we have in your Word. Lord, help us with that. Lord, this week we're going to try to instill this in in our kids that come here. Lord, the main thing we want to instill in our children this week is that Jesus, you are good, that you died for our sin in our place so that we can have access to you, so we can have access to heaven, so we can have access to God. Lord, I'm praying that you would just move in a way that we can't even fathom this week. Lord, I'm praying this week that you would just show up and show off in ways that we we, we didn't even pray for, we didn't even know that we could ask you to do something, something that big, but Lord, we're praying that that would happen this week. And God, we want you to have all the glory. We don't want it to be because we have great volunteers or great anything. Lord, may it be because you're great and you get all the glory. Lord, we want to see lives changed this week. We want to see our city impacted. And, Lord, we want to do it again for your glory. Lord, we know what sin does. And, Lord, we live in a community that continuously gives into sin. It's through you, Jesus. And so, Lord, we know you want to use us to help impact our city And, Lord, we just pray for that. Lord, help us to stay focused on this truth here that you're always going to provide a way out of temptation for us in our own lives. And help us to encourage somebody else with that who's struggling this week. Help us to not just have this blessing of your word in our lives, but help this blessing of of your word to flow through us and bless other people this week as well. Jesus, we're going to continue to worship you today and through the rest of this week. Again, we just pray that you would receive all honor, all glory, and all praise. Pray these things in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.